At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. One in three Americans are literally shaving years off their lives every night by not getting enough sleep. Are you one of them? The American Heart Association's prevention checklist initially featured seven lifestyle components, including weight, physical activity, diet, nicotine exposure, and the like. However, recently, they discovered sleep duration is another critical factor to heart health. The question is, are you literally dying to stay awake? I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, a preventative cardiologist and leader at Baptist Health South Florida. And joining me today to update us with the latest in sleep as it relates to heart health is Dr. Harneet Walia. Dr. Walia is the Medical Director of Sleep Medicine and Continuous Improvement at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. Welcome back to the podcast, Harneet. Thank you for having me. So, um, you know, I love having you on the podcast, both because we both have a passion for sleep and you have the expertise. Um, but this is a real significant um, change in the cardiovascular organization's assessment of sleep, where we're really putting it uh, front and center, uh, along with other things that we're really um, um, conscious of, including diet and exercise and smoking, et cetera. Let's start with general concerns about, uh, or general information about sleep, then we'll get into the cardiovascular components. Um, what would be considered a good night's sleep so people can assess their own sleep patterns? And are there kind of real guidelines as to how much sleep someone should have? It's a great question. Sleep is really multifaceted and has multiple dimensions. So one is sleep duration, which we are going to pay particular focus on today. But there are other components too, such as sleep efficiency, sleep quality, the regularity of sleep, the consequences related to sleep during the daytime. So sleep has multiple components and we should be focusing on each one of them. People tend just not to think about sleep other than say, I didn't get a good night's sleep, I'm tired. And, um, you know, what I'm hearing you say is, again, as complex as it is, it should be part of a, a person's health assessment, right? And do you find more and more doctors are now asking people about their sleep habits and sleep quality, um, or is there still a lot of room to move in that space? There certainly has been growing awareness of sleep and sleep disorders. So there are over 80 sleep disorders that exist out there affecting 70 million Americans. But unfortunately, many of them still remain underrecognized and undertreated. So the good news is that placing sleep in the life's essential eight has really validated the importance of sleep and will grow more and more awareness of sleep and sleep disorders. So to that end, as the American Heart Association took uh, a significant stance on this, a positive stance on this, what are the cardiovascular concerns regarding uh, sleep quality or sleep quantity? Yeah, sleep and sleep disorders are intimately related to cardiovascular disorders, so particularly short sleep duration or insufficient sleep or sleep deprivation. And secondly, there are other sleep disorders such as obstructive sleep apnea, in which the airway temporarily closes while somebody is sleeping, is also linked quite a bit with hypertension, atrial fibrillation, heart attacks, and so forth. So when we talk about cardiac prevention, of course, we want to prevent heart attacks and strokes, and, and even, you know, we're looking at cognitive decline now as a significant uh, negative outcome of poor cardiovascular health. Um, and sleep is just right up there with the things that people would concentrate on, like diet, smoking, uh, and, and whatnot. Um, so to that end, um, what do you recommend to patients who see you and to physicians that you may educate regarding assessing one's sleep? So to patients, we always say, please 
put sleep in the forefront. You know, in the modern day society, we often cut short sleep because of the uh, family demands, social obligations, work-related stuff. And that's the first thing that we cut short on, which is sleep. And we know that a third of Americans are not getting the adequate amount of sleep. So first and foremost, the importance of overall duration of sleep, the recommended amount of sleep in an average adult is about seven to nine hours, mm. and then some general sleep uh, hygiene recommendations to the patients. Then what would be the more common things that you see when you're going over um, <clears throat> a patient who may not be getting enough sleep, may have medical or quality of life consequences? What are, the, what are the more common, let's say, habits, or what are the things that you see that might inhibit someone's uh, getting enough sleep? So it could be that uh, they're not following good sleep hygiene. First of all, not having the awareness of the importance of good sleep quantity and quality. So they just tend to cut short sleep. They're having irregular sleep-wake schedules, taking naps during the day or feeling tired during the day, taking caffeine at un at odd hours, which can prevent them from getting a good sleep, using electronics in the nighttime while sleeping. That yeah. could be one factor as well. So you would recommend <clears throat> not using electronics at night when you say making sure you go to sleep in the cool, dark room. Um, but the first thing you said is the awareness. Just think about how your sleep habits, uh, how what are your sleep habits and how it affects your sleep. When people, you say you need seven hours ideally, and of course it's, it varies from person to person. But if someone gets up a lot at night, um, either just gets up and looks at the clock and lies in bed, or maybe a dog's barking, or maybe a spouse is snoring or they're snoring, it, it, and they go back to sleep. Is the disrupted sleep at, important as well? But as or as long as your total increases a certain amount of time, it's okay. The first and foremost thing that we ask is how it is affecting the patient. If if it is associated with any sort of consequence, which is feeling tired, having that brain fog, feeling depressed, impaired concentration, and so forth. So if that is a consequence, then it warrants further attention and perhaps further testing as well. So again, you're very well established that people have to start being aware of their sleep, think about their sleep patterns, not just in the sense that I'm tired in the morning, but you know, what's the quality of that sleep? Do they have other uh, issues associated with it? Now, again, our medical organizations are actually saying, don't even do this just because you'll feel better, but there are medical consequences of not having a sleep, which again goes back towards the life's essential eight, adding sleep to the, uh, the lifestyle components of the American Heart Association. Um, so all this is really uh, wonderful. Um, so my last question before we just get into some 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 bigger picture type things is if someone comes to you with a, uh, we'll say, poor sleep habits, uh, um, um, cardiovascular risk, but their sleep habits have been identified as being bad, or a spouse says, you know, my wife can't sleep because they say I'm snoring a lot or I stop breathing. What do you then do? What's the evaluation and, and what are the more common treatments? We start with formal assessments, such as obtaining a very comprehensive sleep history, such as what you mentioned, what time are they going to bed during the weekdays, during the weekends, during the days off, during the days off, and what are the consequences related to it? How long it's taking for them to fall asleep? How many times they're waking up in the middle of the night? What wakes them up? And do they tend to think a lot? Do they tend to ruminate while going to sleep? And again, how do they feel during the following day? And if someone has snoring, snorting, stopping breathing episodes, what we call witnessed apneas, which is a very sensitive sign for obstructive sleep apnea, and even having to use the restroom in the middle of night quite a bit, then it may warrant further testing such as sleep studies and there are two kinds of sleep studies one is the lab-based study where one could spend a night in the lab and the other one is a home sleep apnea testing and the home sleep ones are easier to do so to speak right 
Yes, home sleep apnea testings are easier to do. It can be done at home. It's generally reserved for healthy folks who have moderate to high probability of having sleep apnea. So, so knowing you for quite a while and knowing your, as I said, expertise and passion uh, regarding sleep disorders, um, you know, I consider you both an evangelist and an ambassador <laughs> towards sleep medicine, which we need. I mean, this is not necessarily at the forefront of doctors' minds when they're evaluating people, though. Um, do you see a positive trend in, we'll say, awareness uh, nationally, locally? What, what, let me put it differently. What have you seen over the last two to three years in terms of um, uh, in the medical community regarding um, sleep? You know, I would first of all start with our presence. Our presence in Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, thanks to you, really, first of all, validates our, the importance of sleep within the cardiovascular space, which is first and foremost, most important thing as, as we know, cardiovascular disorders are number one killer in the world. Um, so with that, you know, we are seeing growing awareness. Uh, now, American Academy of Sleep Medicine wants cardiologists to be ordering the home sleep apnea testing themselves and has given them tools for the accreditation uh, in that sense. So certainly more and more awareness and we're seeing more and more patients uh, with sleep disorders. And more importantly, we're seeing the impact that the treating sleep disorders is having in the wholesome health and also in the cardiovascular health. You know, I, I think that's a great point and I appreciate that call out. Um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when I first started seeing an association between sleep and cardiovascular disorders, just in my own practice and what I was reading and learning, um, there really was no pathway for cardiovascular care and cardiologists to be integrated into sleep medicine assessment and treatments. But as you're saying, not only in Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where you lead a department of sleep specialists, um, uh, which includes research and includes other innovative uh, uh, components of, of healthcare. Um, the cardiologist should be able to both recognize and order the test to assess sleep sleep medicine. I think um, uh, kudos to you and credit to you for, for making that much more available and um, educating the doctors for the confidence to do so. It's really any medical provider who's doing an assessment of a patient from their current symptoms and or preventive strategies should have should include sleep and the ability to assess one's sleep. So uh, I do think things, from my perspective, things are coming together. And again, thanks to you for leading those efforts internally. Um, before we finish up on sleep, and I do want to call out one other thing to you to uh, kind of put you on the spot uh, in a question. Um, any final uh, comments or anything you do want the listeners to, to hear? I think you hit on all the real high points uh, regarding the importance of sleep and how it is a cardiovascular condition in addition to its other uh, components. Uh, anything else you want to add or, or just reiterate? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that we all spend a third of our lives sleeping. So it has to be one of the most important things that we think about as we're thinking in the healthy lifestyle realm, such as diet, exercise, get the good amount of sleep, seven to nine hours of sleep. And if you're not able to, then please go seek medical attention. So Harneet, another major component of your leadership uh, in the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute at Baptist Health is being the medical director of continuous improvement, which you're really bringing to the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. If you could spend a minute and tell us what is uh, continuous improvement? In a nutshell, making things better. 
right? So continuous improvement is making things better where we try to really eliminate any non-value-added steps or waste, so to speak, from our systems, making lives better, making processes better for our caregivers, for our patients, for our employees, for our providers, for our physicians. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what it is. At the same time, we are trying to build the capabilities and trying to coach people so they can develop those problem-solving skills and can themselves do the uh, problem solving without having our needs. So how can anyone argue with a leader who is here to make things better? Thank you again for uh, your participation in the podcast. Thanks for all the work you do for Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute and, uh, and Baptist Health South Florida, and certainly <laughs> helping me uh, continue our joint mission of making people healthier and getting those people who need medical care, uh, getting them the right medical care. Um, thanks again, Harneet. To our listeners, um, again, if you like what you've heard on this or any of our, our podcasts, please be sure to tell a friend or family member about us. And if you have a comment or a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. We'd love to hear from you and thanks for listening. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.